Welcome to Overthinking in Your Underwear. This is Lindsay, and here's what I'm overthinking this week. Are the Kens all right? So even before I saw the Barbie movie, I was wondering how the men are doing. And I'd seen articles that there's something going on with men right now. Women are outperforming men in many sectors. They're going to college less. There's kind of a general malaise, if you will. There's a loneliness epidemic among men. The Kens might not be all right. So when I saw this movie, I thought, I wonder if I could talk to one of my guy friends and get their take on what they thought of the Barbie movie and just in general check in with how they're doing. So I thought there was no better person to talk to than my friend Owen Black. Uh, We get into this a little bit in the conversation, but I met Owen when I was living in Chicago and I was going through this phase where I was going out and doing open mics. I'm not sure how much I wanted to actually be a comedian because I don't see myself as an Amy Schumer or Whitney Cummings, but I love comedy. I love comedy from every perspective, but I really love it from a writing perspective. My career in comedy was very short-lived, but that's where I met Owen. So he's a comedy nerd like me. Uh, He's an advertising nerd like me. We have so much in common. When I left Chicago, he moved to London to be with his fiance, now wife. So we get into a whole conversation about the differences between the U.S. and London, about the different sensibilities in comedy. And then we have that conversation, too, of course, about are the Kens all right? And he has such insightful thoughts. He is so funny. He's so thoughtful. He is such a great guest that I intend to have on many times over. So let's get into it. Let's overthink it. Are the Kens all right? Hello. Hi. I am everything, which I think is a good, it's a good, like, the, the, the host of emotions, like, it's a full spectrum. It's a full spectrum of emotion. Hang on. I don't know if I have to put these on or not for this to work. Hang on. I, so there's this new age now where after COVID, everybody just rings doorbells all the time. Someone's ringing your doorbell? I know, and I'm not a doorbell answerer. No, I get so freaked out when someone reads my doorbell. Why is that? You know what? Let me tell you this. Okay. And, and we started because I feel like we're going to get into this, but I have an irrational fear of home invasions. Oh, like, totally. I would rather get my ass kicked in the street than in the comfort of my own home. No. Embarrassing. <laughs> Is he seriously oh knocking on the, door, on the window? What's <gasps> one second? One That's second. so scary. Was it DoorDash? It's it just like another thing that my wife ordered. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's all yeah. it is. It's, it's Amazon. Okay, wait, I have to start. You're in London. Yep. You guys got married. Yep. So are you still doing stand-up? I do it once a year. Every once year, a year. on my birthday. Every year on your birthday. You're so cute. What's it and how is it? What do you what's it like? It's, it's good. One thing that I, that I love is that you don't lose the skill set. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you come back and you suck. Like you still understand timing. This same methodology I do when I'm rehearsing my jokes. So this is for me. I go into the to the mirror and say it until I laugh at what I've said. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, it must really be funny because you don't. <laughs> 
I guess I'm laughing now. I always <laughs> you know, laugh. I already did a little intro, and I said that you know you and I met in Chicago, and we met doing stand up. We it was sort of funny how we met because. We were at Leo Burnett and we were on the same floor in this huge yeah. building. And then we were at, I don't even remember which place we were at. And I saw you and I said like, great set, you did really good. And then I saw you on Monday and I'm like, wait a minute, do we yeah. work together too? And then we just became friends. Cause we were like, oh my gosh, we need comedy buddies to run around with. Exactly. And like, right. Cause I even talk about like, Whenever I talk to, to to people about comedy, I talk about writing with you and like, especially like when people ask about like women in in instead of comedy, I say like, listen, most of the professional audiences, like you have the 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 the, the spaces there for women in comedy, right? But when you come up from the open mic set, it's literally just a bunch of guys that are like twenty seven and already balding and like right, which is why I was so grateful to have you because it is intimidating to go with you're going into a bar like if anybody doesn't know about open mics you walk into a bar and I hope this is probably different now because I think you can sign up online but back when we were doing it like 10 years ago you'd walk in you'd sign up you'd sit there all night in a bar and it's basically like very fratty and maybe a little bit different frat. It's comedy guy frat. And as a woman, you're just sitting there. And I wasn't really drinking very much. Neither one of us were really drinking very much. And it's usually on a school night. And so to have Owen with me was so nice to just have like a buddy and a friend. Like, because otherwise it's, it wasn't even like I was threatened or anything. It's just like boring, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, and I, in talking about drinking, like that year, I did not drink alcohol mm-hmm. because I said, if I drink every night, I'm at a bar, like, I'm an alcoholic by default. Right, right. By the third by the third day, you're an alcoholic. And I didn't want to drink that much either at that time in my life. And I don't drink very much now at all. But I think like if you're in a point in your life where like you drink every night, you have like lots of bad habits, comedy is great for you because <laughs> you want to be at a bar from four o'clock till four o'clock at night till one o'clock in the morning. And hey, this is your job. You know, you have to be. You're practicing. It's perfect for you. But if that's not, if you're living a healthier lifestyle, I think it's really hard to put in the hours because you don't want to be at a bar all night. Like, no, no. I, I, and healthy people aren't as funny. <laughs> Being healthy is not funny. It really isn't. Like, I've tried some jokes about green smoothies and they do not land. Do you remember? And it could be from now when you're going out every once in a while now. Do you have a favorite bit? Yes. Okay. okay. I have a I have a couple favorite bits. Okay. okay. Is that okay to have a couple favorite? Oh my god, yes. Okay. Um so the one that I wrote, the first joke that I wrote when I got to the UK and it's still sound now. And sometimes you get jokes and they age and you can't really use them. But this is pretty standard test of time was about the v- the visa process. Yeah. And if you don't know about the visa process, like it's this long paperwork where they ask you a bunch of questions. But one question struck me as, you know, interesting. And the question was, have you ever in peace or in war been involved with or suspected to be involved with war crimes, crimes against humanity or genocide? <laughs> the thing is, if you click yes, it just says, please enter details. <laughs> It's like 250 words or less. So, it's like, yeah. 
So that that concept, I love that concept. That's, so that's funny. One. The other one is um, it works over here really well. Um, it's about a marshmallow shotgun. Okay. Um, and my nephew came up to me one year for Christmas and he said, Uncle Mike, can you buy this for me from the Walmart website? And on the Walmart website, it was a double barrel pump action marshmallow shotgun. Okay. It is the most American idea there is. They took gun crime and diabetes and merged it into a gift for the birth of Jesus Christ. (gasps) Oh my God. That is so funny. And it's, um, and, and people in London love it because they, Americans are disgusting. Oh, that, well, that's their, that's their mindset. They, they had this idea about America. They're like, oh, this is America. This, and, and then I had a, here's the one that bombed the worst when they were over here. And so I, so I told this joke uh, and the joke is they're like, oh, America. They're like diabetes, gun crime, this, whatever. Trump, they say. Trump diabetes, gun Trump. crime. And they're like, like, what do Americans think about the UK? And I'm like, we don't. <laughs> That's just a joke. They did not find it funny. That's hilarious. Part of comedy, like you can get up there, right? Let's say you're back then, you know, I'm I'm a man, I'm 25 years old, and I get up there and I talk about dating, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the next guy is going to do the same thing. Guess what? We're all shooting very low for our dating. So it's all going to be material about how we're not dating. Mm -hmm. And then somebody comes up and says, uh, we're going to talk about tabloid newspapers. And then... Right. Now you've got my attention, Right. So my joke was something along the lines of like, so I created a file on my computer that just says, pictures should I go missing? And I saved all these gorgeous pictures of me because every time I watch Dateline, there are these blurred pictures of like a woman eating a hot dog in a bikini. Like, does she not have any friends? Is not, is no one looking out for her? Why haven't, why aren't these people like, why are her friends sharing these gorgeous pictures of her? These are the things you, these are the things you've got to think about, you guys. Like, I'm like, and I might just share them directly with the Dateline producers right now. If I ever go missing, use these pictures. Like, I don't know. It was just, yeah, but it's so I true. Mean, I remember that joke because when you, when you were saying that, I was like, I remember that joke vividly. Well, it's um, because, well, A, comedy is the funniest when it's true. And it's so true when you're watching Dateline. Everyone, ha- it's like this blurred picture that it was a group picture and they, zoomed in on the person that's missing and it's all blurred and they're like, uh, and you're like, they couldn't find one. They didn't, couldn't take a LinkedIn headshot of this person. What, what, like, why is I there mean, no good pictures? And anyway. I feel like, you know, when John Benet Ramsey went missing, <laughs> all I could remember was like a hairstyle and like frilly dresses. And I'm like, is that like, that's the one, like, give me some options. Give me some look. <laughs> I mean, she was never just sitting with a doll in her pajamas with no makeup on? No, no. No. And that's how you know the parents are so That's how you know. Maybe, okay, we're going to do a true crime, crime episode like okay. next week then, okay? We're still not even at the subject that we came to yet, which is okay. So you got over there. What were some of the, you got over there, got eight years ago, 10 years ago? It's nine years ago. Yeah. yeah. It was a long nine time years. ago. What was that? Was it like a culture shock to move from Chicago to London? I think you thought everything was really expensive. If I remember talking to you um, originally, everything. So when I get over here, I, what I will say is the economy started tanking roughly as soon as I got here. Yeah, Brexit happened about two years after I was here, and the currency just went plummeted. Yeah. Okay. So that here I was broke and the currency went down. So every time I go visit my parents, they're like, do you need a ride? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take a ride. 
food in my suitcase. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the biggest culture shocks, and I don't know if this culture is, when you're an American, you are a fish in water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everything around the world is actually kind of catered to being American. They will let you be ignorant and ignorant American. You don't have to change your mindset. Even if you're, if you work like abroad, they will let you be comfortably in your American Americanized bubble. You don't have to do anything. When I got here, it was this process of like kind of reassessing my evaluation of like kind of how the world works. Um, and it's kind of nice. And also I'm American first here and not black first. So they'll ask me questions about America and I'll be like, Ooh, I'll put my spin on it. You did try, you were doing a little bit more comedy when you first got there. How is comedy different in London versus America? Okay. Very different presentations. Okay. okay. And self-deprecation. They they do more self-deprecation over here. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen Fleabag? I was just going to say, which reminds me of my favorite show in the whole world. Yes. Okay. Fleabag. Fleabag, Peep Show, the original Office. They can relish in this idea of self-deprecation, this like there are some cultural like archetypes of like keep calm and carry on. But underneath, you're a weird, awkward individual. Try to keep that awkwardness in check. That's kind of the British. They're they're. I feel like I'm British. That is like I love that. I mean, I like it. The way they deliver their comedy is always on the back foot. They like the witty stuff, the kind of wordy things. And they in their mind, they don't see America as being fun or Americans being fun. The truth is we are, we just need to learn your culture and then apply how we do comedy to the set. So I'm a lot more forward. I'm a lot more, a bit louder or like I'll sit down. I, I, I own the stage in a different way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Irish comedians, they're really good at just storytelling and banter. So they'll have you laughing before they kind of even really started. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's so, so it's, it, what I would say is it's translated well over here for me understanding that they're a different culture and I'm in their culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's differences. Yeah. They're, they're not, they don't have conversations. Like let's say if you're in the grocery store and somebody spilled some milk. Okay. In America, you have the right to talk to the people in your surrounding area about something in a situation. The Brits just kind of won't say anything. Like, and you say something to them and it's almost like shocks them out of the system that someone that I don't know is, is talking to me. I had a big culture shock when I moved from the Midwest to New York. And first of all, it was like I had to fix my face because I would be on the subway, like smiling at people. And they were like, what is she looking at? Why is that girl? Is she okay? Is something wrong with her? And then I realized that no one is going to smile at you. If they're smiling at you, they're about to walk over and ask you for money. They're going to hit on you. They're going to tell you that they're going to start saying that there's aliens in the sky and they're coming for you. They're crazy. No one's just sitting there smiling. I'm I'm telling you, listen, a smile is an invitation. When I have my daughters, I'm going to say like, all right, girls, what do we do? No smiles. It's an invitation for anything. Yeah. Fails, like whatever. Stop smiling. Yeah. (laughs) Only in the house. In the Midwest, you walk down the street, see, see someone, you smile. You see someone, you smile, even if you don't know them. In New York, you do fix your face. You do not smile at them unless you're crazy or you're going to about to do something to them. You know who else I was a really, really big fan of? Louis C.K. Oh, I was too. I was and too. you know what I mean? And you're just like, God, like, I think being an adult is watching your heroes die. Right. That's like a part of being an adult. Um 
And so once I've, I've accepted that, I'm like, it's, it's fine. Whoever you love, they have something dark and twisted in their past that you may not agree with. Just know that they're human. Yeah. Well, this kind of brings me to something that I was like, maybe we'll talk about this. Maybe we won't. Dave Chappelle talks about this a lot. I think like comedy can survive within cancel culture. Louis was a special cancel culture case. Like that was something not even about comedy, really. Yeah. I don't think we can go around digging up old tweets of Kevin Hart's oh and my getting God, a, we can. like that's we ridiculous. Can. Like, like you can't parse out comedy's not evergreen. You know, like comedy changes tomorrow. Something we said today won't be funny. People change like the vernacular and the words that we use and they become inappropriate from what we said on the schoolyard 20 years ago. You can't we can't go around policing things like that. And people can't be creative within that space. And and here's the thing. okay? so there's a uh, cancel culture is a weapon. Yes. It allows someone to take someone else down without it actually fighting. It's just, it's like having, being able to disqualify somebody in like a, in like a boxing match. It's like, yeah, really hit you under the belt. Like, yeah, yeah, that's how I felt it. And so, okay, so now he's out and like, you get the title. We can't let cancel culture keep us from opening the topics that need to be discussed. Absolutely. Comedy is walking up to the line and seeing if you can put your foot over. Not because you're purposely trying to offend people and not because you purposely want to turn people off. But like that's part of comedy is like provoking and like seeing what subjects we can look at and turn up to the light and see if we can look at them a different way. And I just think if everyone's so scared about what they say, forget comedy. Just forget it. That's not even you can't even do it. You know, and that's and and that's one. Okay, so. When I think about comedy, I, there's this relationship between with the truth, right? It's not funny if the if the truth is lost within it. Yes. Okay? And so I think of a joke as, and this is my my philosophical waffle, is it's like a collusion between you, the audience, and the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And the truth is there, and you have to reveal it. Everybody they they know the truth when they hear it, and it's not always you can't just throw the truth out on them. And so so the joke. It's the truth to them without them blocking with all without all the cultural BS that they're used to. So all the words that we use to tap dance around everything, it's really just to get the truth to you and just kind of put it in your brain like inception. And so you laugh because it's there and Mm -hmm. it was like a magic. So this kind of brings me to topic of our podcast, which really I just like the title of this. I think I told you what it was, which is are the Kens all right? I know you saw it because we talked about it a little bit. immediately after you told me. I know, because I said, please go see the Barbie movie. To me, Barbie was funny because it was true. It was sad because it was true. It was emotional because it was true. Barbie was all the things. But I know you saw Barbie. What did you think? Okay, so let me just kind of set the scene a little bit. When I got the the prompt, you know, all the Kim's all right, see the Barbie movie. (laughs) I knew I couldn't see the barber movie with my wife because I knew men were going to be taking a beat. Okay. okay. That's so I'm like, okay, let me, you know, let, let me, me do go. That. But then I also couldn't see it with any guy friends, you know, go out for like a little brother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I did the most toxically masculine thing. I just sat and, and watched it by myself. Like the lonely, like there's no. Did you get way some looks walk. or was it? What do you do? No, right now? people you know, are okay. Prepared, um, except for me, like that ego, that little, you know, little thing that we're trying to fix and make yeah. that thing. It was, it was there with me. I love the film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I love the film. I thought it was incredibly well made. 
How much can we give away in this in this podcast? And give it everyone's seen it. It's made a billion dollars. Everyone's seen it. Yeah, yeah, everyone's seen it. Right. Yeah. Once you once you get to that number, like you've seen it by contact. Yes. Yeah. Contact Barbara. It was it was flawless. I would say, like, you know, it had like the 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 understanding of feminism and everything was kind of woven throughout, but then it like had the tongue in cheek moments. And obviously Ryan Gosling did, did, did an amazing Maybe. job. I was like, yeah, Ken, go get him. <laughs> but then at the end, I was like, well, what about Alan? Right. And and that was the one thing I, when I came off, I said, you know, I feel like as somebody that's grown up in the in the 2000s, you know, in you know, kind of liberal places, going to university, uh, around women all the time, in an, in an industry where, like, at one point, it's like, was mostly women, actually, even though they were still not paying everybody correctly. Um, <laughs> you were getting paid yeah. more than all the women, but it was still mostly women. <laughs> um, and, and so I was all on board with everything, but I'm like, I know people on the spectrum, I'm like, there are way more Allens than there are kids. Mm. Allen doesn't get a you know, like this, the, the end, the catharsis, like, even if like, he was like, like the pregnant Barbie, like Al was like, yeah, that's actually mine. It's a callback to Juno because Michael Sarah was in it. You know, I was like, that would be the, the one. And I, it reminds me of a joke that I had that was, it was called sexual inequality. And I said, the top 1% of men get more ass than the bottom 50 stem porn. And that's sexual inequality. That's true. Um, and I, I, I do wonder, like in the conversation, when it comes to, to men, because we are having issues. If you read anything about men, like there's this kind of lost group mm-hmm. that uh, exists on Reddit. Some of them in real life, you know, <laughs> they're not kin. They, they think they, they should, should be, be kin. kin. Exactly. So, yeah, first, OK, a few things. First of yep. all, I think they should do an Allen movie. I think they should do a Ken movie. I think they should do a weird Barbie movie. And then I think they should do a Barbie in the real world where Margot Robbie is just trying to be human. So they've got so many movies and then Mattel is just made their oh, entire yeah. life. I mean, it's, it's just going to be a Barbie multiverse. Like, oh, yeah. They're going to be the new Marvel. Yeah, they're going to be the new Marvel. I mean, Mattel yeah. is now the new Marvel because I would watch every single one of those movies. That, I mean, I wanted to get your take on Barbie and I know we both loved it and we thought it was like comedically hilarious and emotional and perfect. And a lot of people have already talked about that. But before I even saw Barbie, one of the topics I had been overthinking was really like, are the men all right? I've listened to podcasts and a lot, there's a lot of like podcasts and talk out there that men are struggling. I think it's a hard time to be a guy. I really do. Between... Everything that happened with the Me Too movement and Weinstein. Weinstein ruined everything for everyone. Let's just be honest. I think it's hard for guys to figure out who they're supposed to be. Are you supposed to be Ken? Are you supposed to be an alpha guy? Because that seems like that's toxic masculinity all of a sudden. Even though for years, all you were all you were shown was you were supposed to be Patrick Swayze and Dirty Dancing or Tom Cruise and Top in Gun. It's, it's Tom Cruise in anything. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what you were shown you were supposed to be. But now that's toxic. Now you you could get a sexual harassment charge for acting like this. Then you, maybe you're supposed to be sensitive, but maybe girls aren't attracted to that. I think it's a hard time to be a guy. On the on the technical metrics, like if, if you were saying, like, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a hard time to be a guy. Now, obviously, you know, there there is, because I had this conversation with somebody else and it ended up being more of an argument um, about, like, 
you know, the, the swing of civilization, like, yes, 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 I know. Like, but, you know, it, there, there is a, a, a decline. If you look at like the dating market, one thing about, about guys is like, we don't, you're right. We don't have any, like, there's nothing, there is no form of what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. We need, men need purpose. Like yes. we driven by purpose. That's why you can get guys in a gang or in the military, because like, if you promise like a purpose, then we can, we can rise that occasion. If you remove that, we're left kind of saying like, who are we? Yeah. Then we're also quite isolated. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, technically, like even the way we engage with each other as friends, we, I'm starting to mind with other friends about their emotions. Yo, how you living? And that's, you know, and what do you get? Yet. What do you get back when? Because I think you, I think you are such a like a thoughtful, cool guy. I don't know how you interact with your male friends. Like to me, you're obviously not just like a surface guy. Like you're such a sense. You are a sensitive guy. You have like all this. You have all the sides. But how is how is it when you interact with your male friends like that? Like what do you get it's, back? What I find out more is that more people are just okay. Mm-hmm. You know. If you had to, if I started doing this thing when I wake up every morning and I rate myself on a scale of one to 10. Mm. Okay. And there've been a lot of days I'm like, I am a 6.2. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to try to be a seven by the end of the day or like whatever. I know a lot of guys are hanging around a six or 5.8 just in general. That might be everyone. And then when it comes to single men, as they start getting, getting older, the dating market is interesting because you never hear a guy saying, out loud i can't i need i can't i'm not getting any luck on these dating apps somebody need to set me up but i hear that from women more often that like oh dating apps suck and then more people talk about how the dating world sucks but as a dude you kind of can't talk about how the dating world sucks even though statistically it's worse for you but they because guys need to like project that they're doing well in the dating world like that kind of virality kind of thing do you think you know, or more so, there's a concept that, that bumbles around in in, the, in certain sectors and kind of is, is abused. Is the idea of male disposability? It's mm. kind of like, so what? Yes. Like, it's like, yeah. There's another. If you can't date, that's fine. There's another guy that's dating out there. You 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 know, stay at home play video games. Do you think so? Male disposability. Do you do you you do you think there's something in the culture that there's an attitude that they're disposable right now? Is that what you're saying? Um, there's there's no place. Yeah. There's no place and there's no purpose. Like the tagline of Barbie is she's Barbie and he's just Ken, which is a joke. And it's supposed to be some sort of flip that that's how Barbies felt forever or how women felt forever, that they were just the woman and there's the man. But I think there's like a truth to it. I think that guys kind of feel like there's not a place for them. And again, I know there's like the tide switching and I'm not, I'm, I am. Well, what I would say is I feel like the patriarchy is built on the great lie that men, women need men, that we're, it, it's, it's, it had, it's a trick to say, it's almost like, like it makes sense. Like if you look at it from a techno perspective, like if, not that it's some big collusion, but it's like, listen, if we all seem necessary somehow, then, then we can't be getting, getting rid of like, if we're people that we're seeking, it's almost as if like it's communism for men. Like, yes, we're all in this together so we can get the most out of, out of you know, all the women. But if you you look at technically, like women are performing better in school. Women actually right. do 
better across a gamut of subjects where men kind of specialize in one. So if they're not good at math, it's not like they can be better at English. You know, so there's some there's certain things that you see that we say like, oh, women are, are you know, coming up. It's like, well, maybe they would have always been there, but were kept down like on purpose. Like you can't let you know how powerful you actually are. Like you can't let Barbie know how great she actually is. Right. Well, and I think like the concept of equality is equality. It is equal, you know, just because women are here or minorities are here doesn't mean that anyone else is down here. Quality is equality. Someone doesn't have to be pushed down just because other people are coming up. And I think that is something that maybe is missed or people are feeling like, where's my place or, um, I'm getting pushed down. It's like, you don't have to get pushed down. You don't have to get pushed anywhere. Like continue, continue your grind. Women are I, taking their place, but so you can keep, keep on keeping on, you know? You know what? I'm, I'm Before this call, I was thinking, I said, if I had to say like the one concept that I think might be able to heal some stuff is Beyonce's upgrade you because, yeah. and I think people misread it. It's like, Getting Beyonce, like the upgrade is going to be a lot of work on your part. Beyonce is not going to do a lot of work in that upgrade. Yeah. But by being with Beyonce, you are going to have to rise to the occasion. So you're going to be better. It's going to be work. And so it's like I almost would say like in the dating pool, women are just like, oh, you know, I can't find this guy or whatever. It's like actually date down and make him hustle really hard. Yeah. He's the juice and like he'll he'll like wake up every morning like, well, right. okay, how do I juice more? You know, like exactly like if, if Barbara said, hey, Alan, like uh, <laughs> maybe take those sandals off and get in the gym. He would probably do it. Maybe there's a one where Barbie dates Alan. Would you like that uh, one, too? He would like, listen, Alan would wake up every day like, right. I am not going to take the trip. <laughs> yeah, he would rise to the occasion. Yeah, I think he would. And I, I think that's kind of what what guys are really looking for is a shot to prove themselves. I don't think there's a there's not a, a shot for them. It's like they and they look turn to Jordan Peterson, which is very very unfortunate because you know they tell you all sorts of things and turn like Andrew Tate. When you really mm-hmm. just say like at the end of the day, like you want to be happy, like you want to find something you can spend time with, and. Oh, it's like the like I I feel like guys are literally kind of twiddling their thumbs, like waiting, like what's next, instead of saying like, or or being able to define like, no, what is it that you want? Don't let anything else define what that is, and like go for it with passion, like you mm-hmm. you know. This morning I had this like really great breakfast with this really inspiring woman. This is such an advertising term, like your one thing, like what's your one thing you live by, you know? And she was asking me and I said, oh, creativity. Like that's my one thing I live by, you know? And other people might say it's family. Someone might say it's money and that's okay. Like if you know that's your thing, then you know you need to take the high price job. I mean, the high paying job, like, and that taking a low paying job wouldn't make you happy because money's your one thing. I know creativity is my one thing think that can help whether you're a man or a woman or whomever trying to find what it is and then making sure everything you do kind of aligns with it because you know you're going to be unhappy if you're not you know you're not living by it if i look went back all the way to the beginning it's always been writing okay writing yeah and yeah yeah for you documenting yeah. and analyzing experience there's a picture when there was one year when my mom asked me what i wanted for christmas and I said notebooks and pens, mm-hmm. and she kept me notebooks and pens, and I was happy. Okay, 
there's a picture of me in, in university where I was like writing in a notebook because I, I did that. And every day to this day, I carry a moleskin in my back pocket and a pen. And I have it so to the point where I know exactly what pen I want. I don't want to write with anything else because I'm so familiar with that process and me getting my ideas down. My friends know, like I'll take a moment to write something down. And if it's if it's documenting that experience, is this, this belief cannot prove the existence of thoughts unless you said them or shared them. Mm-hmm. Like what's in your head is nothing Please until it down. comes out. Yeah. And I had a motto in university, if it isn't written, it isn't real. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so that's kind of what I live by. I really want to do this all the time if you're into being like some, yeah, some one to be of like, like a my, consistent like guest. My consistent guy. I I would love that. I think that you're really thoughtful and great. I think we have a good little back and forth. We've always had the this We've is this is why we were writing together. We this have a good back and forth. It's great. So now for a little bit of an afterthought, when you're editing these things, editing, very hard word to say, by the way, you always listen back and get a different perspective. And my overthinking brain always wants to make sure you guys are hearing it how I intend it. I just want to make sure that my feelings and my thoughts are coming across. I am a feminist. I have no problem saying that. But I think we can be feminist and still support men and still support everyone. You know, we can support diversity. We can support all genders. We can support trans women. We can support trans people. Everything. I don't think because our first priority is for women to have a come up that men or anyone else should be pushed down. And I don't think feminism is about that. I think it's about equality, everyone having an equal place, everyone having an equal playing field, everyone being paid equally. So I think it's okay to check in and say, are the men all right? Are the Kens all right? Is everyone doing okay with kind of how culture is shifting. It's moving really fast. You know, everything happened with Weinstein and things started moving so quickly after that. And I can't imagine living as a man in this culture and having things shift so quickly had to be really confusing to try to catch up with how am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to speak? How am I, what words am I supposed to use? How am I supposed to interact on a date? Should I pay for a date or is that going to be offensive? And I think we can have sensitivity to how confusing and awkward that might be. People are trying to catch up to where the culture is going. And it kind of blends into cancel culture too, because that's why I think we have to be so careful with cancel culture, because there are cases where people are doing their worst. Harvey Weinstein, Obviously, he is a case where goodbye, you're done. Bill Cosby, goodbye, you're done. But there are cases where people are doing their best and they make mistakes. And I think we have to be, we can't be going around canceling everyone. We're honest with ourselves. We're all floundering, trying to keep up with how culture is changing. We can all just give a little grace to ourselves and to our friends around us and people around us. Men obviously have been at the top of the food chain for so long. 
And obviously, I know the kind of flip side of this conversation, and Owen was really sensitive to mention that. They've had the, they've been given the benefit of the doubt. They've been given more pay. They've been given the power positions. And that's true. And it's great that now there's other voices and there's all this push for more pay and everything. And trust me, I'm here for it. No one is cheering louder. But I think it's still okay to be sensitive to the fact that that can be confusing and hard for for our male friends. They're not the enemy. Hopefully there are friends and our partners and our coworkers and they're trying to lift us up and we're trying to lift them up and we're all just trying to get better. So that was my point and I wanted to make sure it came through. Thank you again to Owen. I could not love him more and I'm definitely going to have him back. Thank you so much for overthinking with me this week. Until next time, wishing you all good thoughts. (laughs) 